Hey y'all, Liz Higgins here, and welcome to the Millennial Life Podcast, where my main goal is to share conversations that will inspire you and drive you toward the life and relationship you desire. I'm here to share what I've learned as a licensed therapist and relationship coach specializing in millennial relationships and wellness, as well as transformative conversations with other professionals. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's podcast episode. I am thrilled to be having a conversation today with Jeff Stewart, who is a fellow LMFT and online course creator for relationships and the host of the From Crisis to Connection podcast. Hey, Jeff, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. It's awesome to have you here, and it's um it, our 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 connection is exciting because we met through Instagram. So very millennial, very right? with the <laughs> very with the times with the, our world today. But it's uh, it's been so cool to follow your page. You know, there's like a handful of Instagram pages that I like to really tune into, and yours is one of them because you are just putting some really authentic content out there around relationships, but even more specifically, like moving, moving and healing beyond betrayal, which is so huge for our world today. And just what many, many people go through in their relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's, it's the world I live in and I'm constantly working on repairing any sort of little damages or things that I do in my own relationships. It's near and dear to my heart. I just, I just believe healthy relationships are based on constant repair. Absolutely. They are. And we know that. And that's why I'm so excited to do my part with this podcast to hopefully just put more, um, more incredible conversations out like the one we're going to have today. And um, just a note, like I was so excited to be a guest on your podcast, which I don't know when that one's coming out, maybe soon, but I, I definitely encourage people to go take a listen and we'll post a link to my episode that I got to do with you on your podcast about relational mindfulness. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, that one surprised me. I didn't really know exactly where we were going to end up with it. And I was so happy with where our conversation took us. And I learned a lot as well from you on that. So yeah, I'm excited to share it with my audience. It'll be out in a few weeks. Sweet. Yay. Well, today we're talking about betrayal. And you know, this is kind of your arena and with what you do with clients. And like I said, just what you kind of put out into the world on your social media platforms. So I'd love to hear a little bit about maybe what got you into this particular interest and just some of those common experiences that you see people navigating through when we talk about betrayal. Like, what, what does that even mean? What kind of experiences are people having? Yeah, yeah, thanks. Um I, I mean I've been working I've been working with couples primarily for the past 15 years of my 22-year career. The first 7 years I worked with children mostly and I found myself always wanting to get a hold of their parents because yeah. there just had been so much um there had been so much chaos and problems in the family and I could just tell at the top things were not right from the relationship, the adults in the house. And when I started working with with parents and which basically were marriages, relationships, partnerships, um, it's really all about betrayal. It's all about people feeling like somebody hurt them or isn't showing up for them, doesn't care about them. Um, Sometimes in most cases, at least in my uh, caseload now, 
There's been some serious breach of trust. There's been mm-hmm. some broken commitment, some lines crossed, um, whether it's an explicit contract that's been broken, like, hey, we agreed this wouldn't happen, or something that they learn kind of more implicitly, like, hey, this really matters to me. But then the person may not care about it. So then that's when the betrayal really deepens. So we're constantly living in a world of relationships where um, we're having expectations and hoping other people hold them. And, and then when they don't, we feel hurt. How do we navigate that? How do we bring it up? How do we deal with it? How do we rebond and reconnect and get back on track? I mean, this is, this is the work of relationships. Mm, absolutely. 100%. And I think we are doing this work as therapists and as humans, as anybody listening to this, um, in such an interesting time, because like you're talking about explicit rules, but there could be some things that people don't even realize are important boundaries, limits, values for them until the breach kind of happens. I mean, we do a lot of premarital work here with couples and we try to encourage those Uh, quote unquote, preventative conversations, right? But A, you know, life doesn't always, you know, stay um, how we would hope that it would be. And B, we can't possibly cover every single potential breach of trust. And I don't mean that to kind of say like, so just expect something bad to happen. No. But I think that with technology and with how connected we are to these platforms of connecting to the outside world, there's just more and more and more of these like places where, you know, broken trust can precipitate. And, you know, it's just important to note, I think, as we dive into this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of, I think it was John Van Epp that said that um, when you're thinking about who you're going to be with long-term in a partnership, a marriage, you want to find somebody who's open to changing, open to learning. And if you can put that in place, someone who's who's willing to say, oh, I didn't realize I had this blind spot or, oh, that's important to you. Okay. Like someone who's willing to adapt, pivot, change, flex, those kinds of things will allow you to navigate through the smaller betrayals, hopefully prevent larger betrayals, but it just makes things so much easier when you're partnered with somebody who recognizes that mistakes are opportunities to learn. Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, I guess a lot of times these betrayals and, you know, impasses that couples face can really be moments where you choose to consciously create a new narrative together separately, like however it kind of pans out. But I think relationally speaking, they are really opportunities for growth and development growing up, you know? So, I mean, I'd love to just hear a little bit from you around, I guess that experience where, okay, you're in a relationship, the trust has been breached, something has occurred, a betrayal, Maybe just even starting by like describing what are the normal things for people to be experiencing in that point of it all? Yeah, for sure. The bulk of maybe before I jump into that, the bulk of the the cases that I, I I really started working with about 15 years ago when I really got into working with rebuilding trust and helping couples navigate this was really around sexual betrayal. And for most couples that commit publicly like in a marriage there's there's an expectation of monogamy in most of these cases well in virtually all of them um and and what happens there is 
when that when there's a discovery, when there's a confession, when there's some sort of recognition that that the in in this case the explicit contract of hey we both agreed on this you changed the 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 first thing for most people is is shock it's in order to to live in a relationship and sort of have the benefits of that secure commitment we let our guard down we we might have our guard up at work we might have it up everywhere else in our lives but in our in our marriage or in our committed relationship we, in order for it to really be connecting, safe, secure, for us to really open ourselves up and be vulnerable. We have to live unguarded. We have to let our let our uh, partner have full access to all of us, our thoughts, our feelings, our hopes, our dreams, our bodies. I mean, we just work to to blend and connect. And obviously, we're still individuals, but we're sharing our lives in a way we don't with other people. And when that betrayal happens, it's like everything just retracts. Everything is, there's shock, almost like, I feel like I'm standing here humiliated, naked, exposed, stupid. Um, I hate myself. I hate you. I can't believe it's like this existential crisis of yes. I don't even know how to organize the world anymore because I built my life around this idea that I understood who you were, who I was, what we were doing. And when that changes, mm -hmm. it's so hard to think clearly. So there's a real shock, a trauma. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you used that term because it it really is that way. And I think with the more we know about our brains and our, our protective systems, our nervous systems and all that fun stuff, the more that we really can say with some certainty that betrayals of, of this kind of level for a lot of people can even lead to things like PTSD type symptoms and experiences, yes. you know, because like you're saying, you, you put all of you into establishing this bond, nurturing this commitment and this relational security that for it to be broken, I mean, absolutely shock and just confusion, a lot of pain and, um, a, a lot of different, I think, Mm, I don't know, physical, emotional, spiritual, whatever, like you can just be feeling a lot of different things. And so there's not going to be one way that this goes. Yeah, absolutely. Some, and you know, just like with fight or flight, I, I think there, mm -hmm. there's a few more that they've added over the years. You know, you get fight, flight, freeze. And I think fawn, have you heard that one? Yeah, fawn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, where you just go along to get along to survive. So, mm -hmm. so there's there's all these different ways that people respond when they're in that betrayal trauma, when they're in that shock. And so, yeah, some people become aggressive. Some just withdraw and shut down. Some become, you know, almost more people pleasing, and uh, some just freeze and just kind of go through life in a, a numbed out state. And regardless of whatever your particular response is, if you're betrayed. The fact is, is that there's there's reactivity going on and you're not bonding, you're not connecting, you're not building a, a secure connection. You're now responding to a breach and there's got to be stabilization. There's got to be structure. There's got to be some sort of a plan, if you will, for how to rebuild, reconnect and get the couple back together. Um, a lot of couples suffer going through life, you know, if, if they sweep this under the rug or just ignore it, hoping it'll go away with time. These things have to be corrected. There have to be corrective experiences and repairs of the breach uh, for you to be able to function again at the same level of safety and comfort and uh, unguardedness, if you will, that preceded the breach.
Yeah, well, and I'm sure you have seen this play out all sorts of different ways because, you know, each couple is a different story. But am I kind of hearing you say that pretty, pretty quickly you want to look at this? You want to look at what happened. You want to try and get help. Does that sometimes um, play out with people coming in to see you by themselves? Or do you really encourage people like, even though this happened, try to get in together as a couple? Like, where can people start? I mean, definitely, I think that um, there's different levels of motivation. In my experience, most couples come in together. Um, mm-hmm. Most people come in together because there's there's been a recognition that that the relationship is on the line. And so it's, yeah. I would say the majority show up together. And, um, you know, I've never, I've never kept track of any numbers of this, but um, I would definitely say in second place would be the betrayed. They come in mm-hmm. because they're the, they're the ones that are, you know, it's, it's like the person who broke the trust um, in a lot of ways has the ability to just move forward and rewrite their story and just carry on. Cause they, they know what they did. They, you know, they can go forward and, um, the person who's been betrayed, they're the ones whose story has completely just changed. They're the one who yeah. is experiencing physiological symptoms that are very distressing. Their life is not the same. And they've got a lot of shattered pieces on the ground that they need to clean up and they often need help with that. And so if mm-hmm. you're, if you're on the betrayal side, if you've been betrayed, it's absolutely important for you to get support, whether it's through therapy, through a group, somebody to help you um, think of it like any trauma, like a car accident or um, a natural disaster. These aren't things that we uh, need, we want to heal from in isolation. We need support. We need care. We need someone to help us get our emotional balance back. Absolutely. Yes. And I do kind of want to focus in on the experience of the the partner who has been betrayed, because I think that kind of similar to what you're saying, when when people have come in to meet with me, it's usually that person or the couple. And it's such a hard place to be in because, you know, like they didn't ask for this thing to happen. I'm sure that that experience of like, if this just didn't happen, we wouldn't be here. And, and that tendency to really want to blame the partner that did the betrayal or whatever it is. It's just so common to be sitting in that space. And I think in that position of being the one that this has happened to, there's some really common questions that I wanted to throw your way. Um, I'm just thinking about that, that, that painful experience and have heard people ask things like, or say things like once a cheater, always a cheater. Um, and just even asking, can trust actually be rebuilt? So what do you say to those questions? Can it? Yeah, that's a famous saying. I think it, in the 12 steps community, right? It's like once an addict, always an addict. Once a cheater, yeah. always a cheater. I think we say that because of how scary and how terrifying it is to have somebody betray you. And so mm-hmm. I think sometimes do, people do that to protect themselves from getting hurt again. So they'll just write somebody off. But we, that's not true. Like people, people can change. Um, you know, I've done this for a long time and, I, and I'll tell you, I've, I, people that have broken major trust uh, had affairs, um, had addictions. Even people, some people that have been abusive um, have the capacity to change. We all have the capacity to change. I don't know about you, Liz, but I couldn't get up in the morning and do this work if I didn't believe people could change. Um, I'd be a pretty cynical, bitter person. 
and I'm not. <laughs> Amen. Yes. I'm not. I'm very ho- hopeful and optimistic. I know what's possible. And when people mm-hmm. apply themselves and do the work and show up um, consistently, trust can be rebuilt. And the thing is, is that I, I don't know if you've seen this in your work or not, but some of the people that have really dug in and done this work, to me, become some of the healthiest people I've ever worked with. They mm. have they have they have self awareness. They have increased compassion. They have great emotional regulation. They have impulse control. They are kind to other people. They uh, they they're committed. I mean, there's just so many of these traits that you want in a partner that they earn. And this crisis, this betrayal, this major face plant was the doorway that opened them up to this new way of living. But they did the work, put in the time. And I feel like if you've got somebody like that who's consistently showing up and working hard and they're making those changes, they're a much safer bet than somebody who you know nothing about. Absolutely. I, I Yes, I have seen that. And I think the research is there to, to back up exactly what you're saying, yeah. that it, relationships can come out of these experiences or face plants. I like that you said it that way because <laughs> that is what it is. Even stronger, even healthier. And it's, I'm sure, crazy to think of that when you're at that breaking point and everything's just hit the fan and you're just trying to survive uh, in a range of ways. But the fact is, is that if you you stay in it and try and both people are open to growing forward, that it can be, it can be even better. Absolutely. People need to know that. I mean, I agree. It's not a very sensitive thing to say to somebody in the, who's just been, who's just been violated or betrayed that, mm-hmm. Hey, your partner someday is going to be a really healthy. We don't know that. We don't know yeah. that at the beginning. So that person needs emotional first aid. They need support. They need to know that that they can get to safety and security. And then over time, that other person, the the unfaithful person, has to obviously put in the work. And then mm-hmm. the betrayed partner will ultimately be the one who decides whether or not that person is trustworthy. So we're just talking about what's possible. We're not in any way saying that any one case, we know exactly how it's going to turn out. I have no idea because... right. Talk is cheap. We don't know what somebody's going to do until they do it for a long time. Yeah. 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 And I think, I think a good therapist is never going to try to make that kind of call for somebody. But no. I think it's huge for us to be able to acknowledge as therapists that we have seen that happen. And so, yes, that possibility is there. But I guess I am wondering too, Jeff, like for the betrayed partner, and I'm just kind of con- thinking in my head about those like next net first next steps post betrayal Mm -hmm. and you know the the fires kind of simmered a little bit enough to like okay we need to get some help let's address this um i mean what would you say to that person because i imagine that it's really hard to want to hold space for their partner who has done the betraying um, hold that space to like support them in getting better. I mean, there's so much anger, there's probably resentment. Like how, how do you do that work together when you're in so much pain? Oh, that's the million dollar question, Liz. That's, it's challenging. And a lot of it depends whether in terms of doing the work together, that together piece does depend a lot on the betrayer, the unfaithful person, the person who broke Mm -hmm. the trust. If they're belligerent, if they're unaccountable, 
if they're blaming, then you're not going to be doing a lot of relational work. You're going to be working on getting yourself to safety. You're going to be working on getting yourself some boundaries and some structure and probably doing a lot of your work separate from the other person, unfortunately, right? It's too bad if they're if they're going to be that kind of a person and be blaming and defensive. Um, and so you really have to early on get very clear and do a lot of observing and say, is my partner really willing to take responsibility for what they've done? Are they working to have compassion? Are they honoring the limits and the requests that I'm setting to keep myself safe and secure? If, if it's yes to all of those, and you've got a partner who feels remorse, who's honoring boundaries, who's owning up to what they've done, and they're working at, working hard to repair trust, then th the relational work is going to look a lot like um, basically two people working to talk about the impact that this had on the betrayed partner and having the unfaithful partner, the betraying partner, really work to deepen empathy and compassion and obviously stop whatever they were doing. But Beyond that, the, the relationship really goes into a, a conversation of caring about and dealing with the grief and the loss and the heartache that the betrayed partner is experiencing. That empathy, that compassion has to come up so that uh, from the betrayed, the betrayer, the unfaithful person, so that there can start to be some level of safety like, hey, you're safe with me again. I care. I, I really understand the impact this had on you. And those conversations, if they're not happening, the relationship's not going to heal ultimately. Mm-hmm. Well, and so I imagine, well, I kind of just want to reflect because what you are describing there feels so important to acknowledge that the work post-betrayal, quote unquote, I mean, it's going to look, it's going to look potentially very different from one partner to the next. And you're not always sitting there together working on, you know, vulnerable communication, like it's going to take time and you need to make sure you've established the kind of safety security that you need to even step back into those type of relational right. interactions. So really important to acknowledge, I think that 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 work right after could could look very different. And there's no one way it's going to go. Hence why it's probably even more helpful to do any of this with a licensed therapist that can really help you walk through it in a healthy way. Because yeah, otherwise, I sure. would imagine it could even try to, it, it would make things worse to try and deal with all this on your own. Yeah, I mean, what happens a lot of times when people just try and do this on their own is, you know, the most common pattern is the betrayed partner is usually, you know, demanding answers. They're understandably trying to figure out what the truth is. Um, it becomes kind of a cat and mouse type game. Mm -hmm. Or or you get somebody that's just shut down completely, says nothing, sweeps it under the rug, and they carry on with life, and then it blows up years later. I mean, you just, it, it's it's energy that has to be managed either by being corralled or by being like uncovered. But there's there's an energy there. There's There's a, there's been a breach. There's been some sort of a, a major wound that we can't ignore. Uh, and you're right, Liz. It's it really depends on what the couple comes in with. And so having a skilled therapist who can who understands how betrayal works and is not going to blame the betrayed partner, but is going to set up um, a structure, a plan to help them rebuild that trust. I mean, at a very basic level, if I were to sort of break it into steps, 
there's there's usually going to be some sort of discovery or disclosure of some kind initially when the couple comes in. It's rare that I have somebody comes in and says, I have this thing and I've never told my partner. I mean, that does happen, but it's very rare. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, there's been something that's been discovered. There's a crisis. And so early on, the work early on is really just about crisis management. If people need to be separated, if there needs to be limits or boundaries set up, if there needs to be some sort of um, emergency disclosure, like if there's been an affair, go get STD testing. We're just trying to contain the crisis here and figure out safety so people can sleep yeah. at night. People can eat, people can eat and yeah. take care of their bodies and their children and their families. Like we're just trying to contain the situation. That's the first thing. Right. In RLT, we call it uh, stopping the bleeding. That's that's yeah. basically what you are doing. Exactly. It's it's very energetic. It's it's swift. It, you're assertive. You're just working to contain the situation. And then um, I like to move into this next phase of really understanding what just happened. And that, if you've got a partner that is accountable, a, betray, a betraying partner, the unfaithful partner, who's really wanting to rebuild trust, then we start working on, um, and I'll usually split the couple and have, and really go over the story of what happened and kind of start to set up what we call a formal therapeutic disclosure. If there's been secrets, we're working on this. And this can take six to eight weeks to get a formal disclosure out. And that's another podcast for another day. But basically that, that process is a very formal process of one person getting very honest about their story, what they've done, where they've been, who they were with, all the details that matter to the healing and taking those and eventually sharing them with the betrayed partner in a formal meeting. And it's a very difficult experience, but it is extremely healing. The research on it is clear that couples can only build on a foundation of truth. And so a lot of the early effort is really on getting that piece done. And then that really settles the couple down to do the long-term work of understanding the why, the what happened, the individual and couple growth elements. And that long-term process of the emerging, the new marriage or the new relationship moving forward can only be done if there's been good containment and crisis management and, and the truth is out and both people are actively working to turn toward each other and, and also have healthy self-regulation. I mean, that's a mouthful there, Liz, but that's essentially the, the over, overlay of, of what happens here when I see healthy couples moving toward reconciliation. Yeah. Wow. I'm so glad that you just walked us through that because again, I imagine for anyone listening who has gone through this or is going through this now, like to have some semblance of what does it look like for us to get past this? That's kind of what it is. And right. I don't know, I don't know about you, but I, I always get a little, uh, when people ask me the question of, like, how long is this going to take? How long will it take to feel normal again, to be better again? And, you know, that's people just pining in their pain to be, to be better, to be, you know, quote unquote healed. Let's just get this done and move past it. But you have to, you have to walk through it. And I am wondering, like, just even hearing that that disclosure piece could be six to eight weeks, like, is there sort of a general time frame that you see for couples um, going through those steps that you just described? Like, how long might that go on for? 
I think it was Barbara Steffens. Um, no, who was it? Anyway, there was an author that um, did. She wrote a book called Sex, Lies, and Forgiveness. And it's not Barbara Steffens. Mm-hmm. It's another author. Anyway, she she wrote this book about, um, she did a study with some couples. Um, it was a smaller sample size. But what she found, and these couples had gone through um, a fair recovery, sexual addiction recovery, really heavy duty stuff. Mm-hmm. And she found in her research that after after six months, they still most of the most of the betrayed partners like did not i mean they just somewhat trusted like it was low and after about a year and then into 18 months you got you got into mostly trusted completely trusted so within within a couple of years you can have a restoration of trust you can you can really rebuild the the security and the bond through constant active working and, and recognize that trust is not all or nothing it's you know, your, your partner may cheat on you, but you still may trust them to drive the kids to soccer practice. Right. So like there's, there's still trust in certain areas. This is about, in most cases about trusting you with my body, trusting you with my feelings, trusting you with my, with my future. And it's, it's an individual personal trust of giving me to you and giving yourself back to someone else is the most trusting st- step we take in, in our lives. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's all we've got. It's us. And so, of course, that should take a long time. We would be silly to just throw ourselves back into something like that where somebody could do that and hurt us again like that. So it needs to take time. And uh, real quick, Liz, it's interesting. The, the people that I find that press the question of how long will this take are generally not the betrayed people because they instinctively know it's going to be a while. It's, mm. it's the people that have broken the trust that are asking that because they, in most cases, were using whatever they, you know, their addiction, the betrayal, all these things as a way to mismanage their emotions. And so now they're sitting with a lot of uncertainty. They're sitting with a lot of tension, a lot of shame and guilt, these really heavy duty emotions. And they're looking for those to end by this just not being a thing anymore. But we really will only serve right. them best if they can learn distress tolerance and be able to sit with that and have that have that sort of integration of all these heavy emotions and be able to be a healthy person that can manage their emotions instead of using other things to distract them or escape them. So we want people to learn to sit in and just relax and do the long-term work. It's so worth it. I'm wondering because, you know, a lot of my my listener following here is the millennial generation, millennial demographic. Uh-huh. And so, you know, people that are floating in the 30s um, age range right now, and many of which are still kind of early on in their relationships. Um, of course, you know, there's a spectrum and all of that. But I'm wondering, like, what would you say to couples earlier on in their relationship, committed relationship nonetheless, but whether they're committed or married, maybe like one to five years in, who may have gone through like a major betrayal. Like how can somebody know? I've heard this, which is why I'm asking this. You know, it's like because the relationship is so young in nature, there's all those fears floating around of like, is this how you're always going to be? Like, should I just jump ship now and not deal with this anymore? Or how can a person navigate when their relationship is on that younger side to really push forward and lean in 
or call it quits post betrayal. Yeah, it's so vulnerable. It's so vulnerable when there's been a betrayal. And I and I've worked with couples where, you know, something happened on the honeymoon. I mean, it was like mm. it was like right out the gate and there yeah. was some some major injury and and then they, you know, but the biggest the biggest thing is is the betrayer, is the unfaithful person willing to take complete responsibility and then do something different to really learn and understand how that happened. If you're with somebody who is just full of blame and excuses and denial and unwillingness to do their own personal work to understand how they got there and how they could do this and and is not making room for your feelings or your uh, pain, then that relationship's going to really struggle long term. You're not really probably ever going to feel safe with that person. Um, mm -hmm. That's just a general principle. Obviously, every relationship has to have the you know has to go through its own process. But there are some principles about rebuilding trust, which do which are based on um, accountability, on compassion, on allowing for time, and doing that work long term. And if those things are not in place, it's really hard to feel secure with somebody ever again. If they're trying to hurry you up and move on and just sort of get over it, uh, you're not going to get over it. <laughs> it's just not how it works. Mm -hmm. And and so those are red flags you want to look for. But again, on the flip side, if you've got somebody who is doing their work, going to therapy, reading books, being deeply accountable, being transparent, changing behaviors, lifestyle changes. And they're devastated and they're 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 broken just for hurting you and they feel awful about it and they're putting lots of supports in place. That person's more likely to be a safe bet. Even if they struggle, even if they're overcoming something. Like some people come into marriage or come into committed relationships with an addiction, for example. Um, and a lot of people are like, oh, the addict, whatever. And it's like, you know, an addict is really just somebody who is who has basically uh, who's misused their ability to cope with difficult emotions or attachments and things. And so if they can learn how to do that, then that will, there'll be a lifetime of, you know, growth and security for you if they can really work on that. And so it's, it's totally worth kind of observing and giving somebody a little space and time to see what they'll choose. Obviously, if they're abusive and you're, you're feeling diminished as a person, you're feeling controlled and they're not giving you any room to grow or have any pain at all. Those are terrible conditions and there mm -hmm. needs to be some some boundaries set there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I know that when you're in the thick of difficult uh, relationships or unhealthy relationship dynamics, it can be hard sometimes to really see that those things are not healthy and that they are impacting you in negative ways and stuff like that, but so, but just hearing what you kind of talked through with some of those, um, just some of those like markers of like what it actually looks like to see your partner trying to be better, not perfect, maybe still working through stuff, but trying, we can kind of define like, this is, this is what you should see. This is what you, you should be experiencing. And, um, you just have to be brutally honest with yourself, I guess. Um, on, on both sides of this experience, but certainly with like letting yourself 
see what is unfolding in front of you. You know, words are not actions. Like really look at what is happening and the the intentional efforts that your partner is making or not making because that stuff is important to check in on. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, one thing that I'll say to betrayed partners, if you're listening, we obviously expect the unfaithful person to you know, be accountable and, and their betrayal and what they did is, is not your fault. Um, that was a choice they made. And so you'll never, you'll never need to accept blame for whatever they chose to do to betray the relationship. However, personal growth is two-sided. Don't expect the unfaithful person just to do all the work growing and in healing from this situation. If you believe that somehow you just get to sit and tap your toe and just passively wait for things to improve, then when when they're going to essentially outgrow you, you got to be aware of that. There's If they're working hard to become a healthier person and you're stuck back in there and you refuse to do any, any self-improvement, if you're unwilling to look at how you handle emotions, if you're unwilling to, to deepen and, and grow from this experience, what the research calls post-traumatic growth, then it'll be really hard to align your directions together. So use this opportunity as awful as it is, use it as an opportunity to rebuild a secure connection to yourself and learn and understand who you are and who you want to be. There's so much growth available to you uh, after this crisis. And if you're expecting your unfaithful partner to grow and to learn and understand themselves, you can do that same journey without, you know, having to take responsibility for what happened to you but take your responsibility for your growth. Oh, I love that. I, I feel like that's such a beautiful statement to kind of wrap this conversation up with because it just re- really rings true. You know, you don't, you never hope that this type of experience will happen, but I mean, the stats are there. This stuff is not uncommon. We're humans, we're imperfect beings, and it's not right. to excuse um, those breaches of trust, but but there are so many ways to move forward and to heal together, which I think is just so, um, you know, I'm in my therapist mode right now, right? But it's just, it's such a hopeful thing to know that that is a truth for so many people out there, that you can grow beyond these, you know, face palms or whatever we called it earlier and have an even better relationship, stick in it, get support and take care of yourself first and foremost. Absolutely, yeah. People need to know that that this is this is hopeful because it's it's just the the arc. It's 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 our human journey. Mm-hmm. It's it's about learning and developing and growing and we don't grow without mistakes. Obviously, you hope that the mistakes that are made that you commit that someone commits against you um aren't so devastating that you lose what's most important to you. But most, most even serious betrayals in relationships uh, can be worked through. The research on affair recovery is very promising. Um, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not easy, and I'm not going to minimize it at all, but it just is possible. So if the conditions are right and you've got somebody who's willing to work with you and you're both wanting to commit to it, there's resources and help and support. So I'm very optimistic about it. 
Well, thank you so much for sharing your wealth of knowledge on the subject. And I do want people to know where they can find you and just if you have any kind of, um, you know, programs or freebies out there that people can access, where can listeners find you? Yeah, thanks, Liz. Uh, the easiest place is my website. You can go to uh, fromcrisistoconnection.com. And on there, I've got a podcast and I do have a free uh, guide to help you uh, end your marriage arguments. And I do have online courses as well. As you mentioned earlier, I do have a trust building boot camp, which is a video course, a 12 week intensive course on helping people rebuild broken trust. So there's lots of great resources on there to help people navigate the messy parts of these relationships. That's just what I love to talk about and work on in my podcast. Uh, has a lot of incredible experts and and guests that have come on and, and shared their process and support. So lots of help out there. Yes. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, like your podcast is amazing. I've loved the episodes that I have been listening to and oh, you're, okay. you're just, you're so versed, but there's clearly a compassion that you, you can hear in your voice when you talk about these really difficult experiences that people, you know, often walk through and work through. And so I'm, I'm really excited to have found you and just share more about your stuff with my um, audience because we need more people like you. So thank you. Yeah. Thank Thanks, Liz. So happy to make the connection. Thanks again for listening to the Millennial Life Podcast. If you like the show, leave us some stars or write a review. If you want to get your hands on more information, relationship skills, or tools, head over to millennialifecounseling.com and check out my free ebook, The Five Relationship Mistakes You're Making and What to Do About Them. You can also join the mailing list from there and stay in the loop on updates and new episodes.